If you want peace, prepare for war. This is Parabellum, a Cyberbit podcast. Hello, everyone. Good morning, good day, good evening to those of you in Europe and further east. Uh, my name is Eddie Almer, and I'm Cyberbit's VP of Products. Today, uh, I'm going to talk to you about the key findings uncovered by the 2018 SANS SOC survey. We're going to talk about the most interesting pain points and how some of those challenges can be addressed with an automated SOC that covers IT and OT and with good training. If you have any questions during the sessions, please feel free to enter them into the question interface. It's a text interface, and I will do my best to answer them at the end of the webinar. We also have a polling question during the webinar, and I'll be very happy to get your input. So a little bit about Cyberbit. Cyberbit uh, was founded in 2015 as a spin-out uh, of Elbit System, a security integrator from Israel traded on NASDAQ. We have a broad cybersecurity portfolio. We employ 250, and we have offices in the US, Europe, and Asia. We're the world's leading provider of cyber ranges, and our portfolio also includes OT security, SOAR, and EDR. So let's look at today's agenda. Most important thing is the key survey findings from the SAN survey. Then we'll talk about how to actually deal with some of the issues raised by uh, the survey, how a realistic scenario-based training can help with actually allowing your SOC people to do better. We'll, of course, talk about automation. You hear a lot about SOAR and about automation of incident response. And we'll also talk about fusing IT and OT into a single SOC. Last but not least, of course, uh, I'll do my best to answer your questions. So just a bit of background on this year's survey. The objective was to provide a community perspective on security operation centers. This should help inform IT and SOC decision makers in building, maintaining, and evolving their SOC or deciding that they want to have uh, support from an MSSP or MDR uh, provider. A little bit about the demographics. So there were 569 professionals surveyed. 75% are based in North America and Europe with global operations. And over half of them, 56%, are from organizations that have over 2,000 employees. The key survey findings. First off, and I think we've been hearing this for a few years, this shouldn't come as a surprise to any of us, is the lack of skilled staff. It's the most common self-identified shortcoming. When thinking of the converged ITOT networks many of us are facing today, it's probably even worse for uh, OT pros that are very good with OT, but are sometimes new to cyber. And even if they're not new and they've been doing it for a while, they don't have a team that is equivalent in size and in experience to their IT team. They tend to be more focused on security issues and the security skills that do exist on the IT side may help some of that challenge around having skilled staff. The second finding 
is lack of automation and orchestration. We'll discuss that. Collect metrics and having not good enough asset discovery and inventory tools. So let's look for a moment at the staffing. Staffing is a big problem. So existing candidates are not perceived as qualified. We're basically hiring somebody, but we're not hiring them for, for skills. We're hiring them for attitude, for base approach, and sometimes for background that relates to security or to network. But they're not coming fully qualified for the job. If uh, we're looking at the numbers here, over 60% of people think that less than half of the applicants are qualified for the position for which they are applying. Looking at automation and orchestration, again, this is no longer surprising finding. Uh, we've heard similar things in the past. And when you're looking at the actual cyberscape, this one, for example, is one from Momentum Cyber, you can see easily 20 categories. The average number of tools in a medium security operations team is easily over 30. Large socks would use more than 30 security tools. If you add on top of that the many open source and online tools that you can use for uh, enrichment, the number balloons even further. It's a big challenge to orchestrate those all those different input tools. Uh, many of them pro produce alerts, but it's hard to tell whether this is an incident or not. You need to actually tie in the intelligence feeds, either internal or external, reach out to uh, external, additional external tools that can help validate and add information to those inputs, and only then actually create an incident that an analyst uh, would look at. Some of those processes are still happening, ma happening manually for some of us. This is the initial enrichment, but just as hard as the incident response once we actually understand that there is an incident involved here, there's a lot of things that need to be done with those security tools, reconfiguring them, and making sure that uh, that attack is being stopped. And that also needs to be automated and orchestrated. Equally important for most teams is actually the ability to collect metrics. The ability to collect metrics is very important, uh, not just for reporting purposes, but because many, many of the SOCs uh, that we see are understaffed. And actually being able to show how well we could have done if we had the right resources and the right tools helps get those budgets and at least allow the team to explain what is happening. So the metrics are obviously important for understanding how effective you are, for identifying bottlenecks where you, for example, handle repeatedly the same alert and you spend time on it time after time again. It allows you, once you identify those bottlenecks, to identify force multipliers, either tools or process improvements that would allow you to do much more with the same resources. 
And of course, as I said, the business case to show management how additional investment could be used to improve the effectiveness. The most common metrics being discussed uh, are obviously the number of incidents handled, the avoidability of an incident. So if we had in place this automation or that automation, the whole incident would have been closed in much, much shorter time than the manual handling of the incident. And manual handling of an incident may not necessarily be just because you don't have automation infrastructure. It could be because a certain incident is a new incident that doesn't have a right, the right playbook or the right playbook is only 90% adequate for the specific incident and you need to update your playbooks. That measurement, when you have a SOAR infrastructure in place, can easily be measured and can easily be shown to be improving over time. So uh, time from detection to containment, that's the time when there actually is a non-automatic response and you understand how long it takes uh, as the incident makes its way through the different analysts and different stages of the playbook. The number of incidents closed in one shift. So this is the efficiency of a single analyst and a group of analysts and the incident occurrence due to known versus unknown vulnerability. So how good are your threat feeds? How useful are they for automating the process? And those are the top metrics that SOC managers are saying they are either tracking or in some cases would like to track with the right tool. Another top one is uh, dissatisfaction with asset discovery and inventory tools. You can obviously cannot protect what you don't know about. And when looking at the most common SOC security tools, SIM, DDoS, NGFW, the ones that were probably most frustrating for most people were the asset discovery and inventory tools. Uh, they're hard and they're partial and one of the reasons is, for example, uh, what you can see here. This is uh, asset discovery for an OT network. You can see here in purple endpoints that are speaking actual OT protocols, in blue, IT protocols, and in red, the endpoints that are uh, potentially attacked, something is wrong with the communications that they're doing, there is an anomaly there, and this would be a good detection. But most tools, according to uh, current SOC managers, would not detect all of it. They would have gaps in their, either in the level of understanding of what a device is and what it's being used for, in its level of vulnerability, in its level of criticality for the organization, or in how it relates to other devices and applications that the organization needs. So uh, this is probably the biggest challenge in terms of tools, because if you don't know that you have something, it's very hard to apply any kind of playbook to it. So you can see here having nice alerts and color coding and the ability to filter and investigate would be useful 
for a discovery tool. And let's see how how you do in terms of those uh, OT devices and uh, in terms of operations, whether uh, basically does your SOC support non-traditional computing devices, uh, smart sensors, uh, all kinds of smart building devices, cameras, of course, manufacturing controllers or other uh, ICS. So we'll be waiting for you to say what you're doing. And right now, over half of you voted. Uh, we'll keep this open for uh, 15, 20 more seconds. I can tell you that a big majority of you either do already or think they need to. And there's very few of you that think that you don't need to handle the OT devices because as an IT team, it's not relevant for you. Uh, I'm guessing that at least some of you are even uh, OT experts, so it would be relevant for you. So looking at the numbers, a quarter of you are saying that you're doing this already, and this is great. 37% are saying you don't yet, but it would make a lot of sense to do it, and it will improve security posture. 11% uh, of you are saying that you simply don't. And 26% don't know, either because you're not in charge of those uh, OT uh, events, maybe you have them in the SOC, maybe you don't, or uh, because you're on the OT side and you don't know what IT is doing. And this gap is something we're seeing with quite a number of the people. In the SOC survey, uh, the answer from SANS was 25%, pretty much in line with uh, what we are seeing here. Only 9% would monitor all systems. And this means that there is a gap in visibility, which is uh, happening even before uh, making any security decisions. If you don't have visibility, of course, you're not running any kind of uh, security decisions on those devices. Looking at those challenges around uh, operating your SOC and getting good value out of it, probably the number one takeaway, you saw it before from the challenge around hiring, is having good training. Good training that would help people understand your processes, how to do more with less, understanding uh, the technology, and of course, being able to handle specific cases and understanding what the on-the-job work is like, uh, rather than having, in some cases, only theoretical knowledge. Having good simulation is something that would allow those cybersecurity experts to train the same way that fighter pilots train, get actual attacks without being under attack. Some of the smaller SOCs don't get to receive uh, real APT attacks very often. If some of you are in the large banks or in uh, in some cases, in some government organizations, you may see attacks daily or weekly. But if you're in a smaller SOC or in one of those uh, very lucky industries that are not getting attacked on a 
daily basis, some of your analysts may see a lot of standard attacks, but they may see the more complex attacks only once in a long while. That would hurt their skills, their ability to respond once it does happen. And for that, uh, we are able to simulate those attacks and allow those skills to be built. Cybersecurity is a skills-based occupation. The only real way to improve this skill set is by getting experience. And if you're not getting real attacks, well, let's make sure that you're getting simulated attacks that are very, very similar to real attacks so you can build those skills. You hear so much about ransomware, but how many of you have experienced a real breach, an actual real ransomware incident? I can tell you that I personally haven't seen a real life ransomware incident, and I'm seeing a lot of stuff with a lot of you. Uh, but ransomware, I only see it in our simulation. Uh, Less than 20% of analysts have experienced a security incident that resulted in disruption to actual business. So I, I'm not talking about somebody actually caught some malware by uh, downloading something they shouldn't have and running it, but it was contained on the specific endpoint. Rather, that actually uh, moved on and there was an actual disruption to uh, business. So that means that 80% of the analysts would actually meet one of those business disrupting events for the first time in a real event. That means that if they're not prepared, uh, it would take them longer and they're more likely to make mistakes. Less than 10% of people actually experience breach of sensitive and regulated data. And for those of you in healthcare or finance, uh, anybody who handles personal information with GDPR in Europe is getting worse with uh, the recent California uh, regulation is getting worse. There is more and more of a chance that you actually get fined or even worse than that. And you want all your analysts to actually be able to identify and quickly respond to a breach of sensitive or regulated data. So what you see in the picture here is a, is a real implementation. I know that some of you on the call today would actually recognize this. This is uh, a real implementation from uh, Regent University in the USA. And you can see here a number of things. You can see somebody who's running the scenario and is actually uh, throwing real attacks at the different classrooms. There's a bunch of groups here sitting around computers and uh, running their SOC tools with their team, uh, running their firewall, their SIM, their SOC, uh, all the real tools and getting actual attacks as well as simulated web traffic thrown at them. So older tools are generating real-time, real alerts, and they're working with the real tools to actually uh, find the attack that is being thrown at them by the instructor that is standing in the middle there. And the equipment behind them is the actual equipment being used for that simulation. Um, this allows 
the team to train as a team and the individual uh, trainees to be individually appraised and get help where they need it. So the first thing we covered to help with some of the findings uh, this year was uh, training. Takeaway number two is automating incident response. It's an interesting question. Can a bot already do it? And I can, I will not go, I will not keep you uh, in tension. No, not really yet, but uh, all the enrichment and all the incident response around the decision what to do can definitely be automated. And the technology component of the SOC actually multiplying the effectiveness of uh, the process and the people can be achieved. So a very standard malware. We have a workflow. We uh, find that something is wrong. We get a positive malware alert from the SIM about a specific endpoint. We run a memory dump. Uh, we We isolate the host using the NAC API. We alert IT to replace uh, that actual user host and check the user, actually look up the asset criticality. Just by doing that, uh, quite a few minutes already passed. And all of those are completely standard uh, responses whenever a malware uh, is being found on the endpoint. Then if the process is critical, You need to look up uh, the CISO contact and everybody else on possibly a distribution list, alert the CISO, explain what is going on, collect additional raw data, possibly correlate with external sources, and then investigate the findings. This could be done either by the person who discovered this and got the first alert, or it could be escalated to a tier two. Once everything is actually understood, You have a summary report and you close the incident. And if there is anything new you learned, you would like to also update your workflow and process. If we're looking at the manual preparation time, easily over half an hour. Only then uh, the real work really starts. And that's for every small incident that is happening. If you have automation, well, it gets more interesting. All the initial steps that are being done without any condition, right? It doesn't matter what is happening. If a malware alert comes in, you want to run the memory dump utility always. You always want to isolate the host to make sure it doesn't spread further. You always want to alert IT to reset the image or uh, update at least AV, whatever it is that you're doing to uh, remediate that host. And that's your playbook, but now it's automated. The part where you know how to check asset criticality, that can also be automated. You can uh, look it up somewhere. You can probably have the CISO contact hardwired or connect and bring it from uh, your LDAP, alert whoever needs to be alerted, report whatever needs to be reported. Then uh, use enrichment and collect additional raw data from web or from any additional sources that you need. And then you can start investigating. Uh, you have all the data in front of you. 
nicely and neatly organized. All of this happened basically before anybody even looked at that incident, and it happened in seconds. So this, of course, uh, allows our take away number two, who is very clear. Use as much auto automation as you can. Integrate as many of your tools into the process as you can, because the time savings and the ability to improve the process are very significant here. Last but not least, there is a third takeaway. And this is around IT and OT. Um, IT and OT have very distinct goals. For IT, IT security, it's about CIA. For, you know, about uh, availability and about uh, confidentiality and about integrity. About OT, everything is about safety. And the stuff that the OT team optimizes for is not necessarily security. However, if you're looking at recent events, take TSMC, for example, it turns out that uh, an IT event can easily trickle in to the OT network and become definitely uh, relevant financially, but even go as far as being a safety uh, risk. We wouldn't want that to happen. And because the OT focus is very different from the IT security focus, uh, you can either evolve an OT security capability inside your organization, or you can try and marry the two together, allow IT to help with all the security stuff that they're doing well, and have OT staff make the actual decisions. So you won't necessarily be automating every single step because the OT guys would like to have the safety taken well care of. But let's look for a moment what we can do. When you have a network today, you have the enterprise network, and then uh, you have separation. It could be a firewall. It could even be uh, something like a waterfall, a one-way diode that supposedly separates the networks completely. So there is no connection from the outside world to your actual operational network. And on that network, there are many servers that are Windows and Linux machines, and they're running applications that are OT applications. And then you have actual controllers, air conditioning, cooling, fire control, power generation, water, access control, electricity. And uh, each of you may have different ones. The IT component is significant, even on the OT side. And right now, for OT, the operational view is all about safety and the controllers. It doesn't have a security component. It's probably pretty hard to build that security component into the OT operation center. And one of the findings that would be interesting is that IT can help understand those attacks that are happening on the OT side. The reason they can do it is that those attacks are attacks they know well. It could be uh, somebody coming in through remote support and reaching 
something that shouldn't be reached. It could be an infected laptop connected to the network. It could be access through the wireless network that is being hacked or other insecure controllers. And yes, there may be also attacks that go all the way down to the controllers, but usually before getting there, they would go through those devices that are attacked a lot more often, and frankly, probably easier, which are the Windows and Linux uh, endpoints. And if we can help there, we're helping a lot with those integrated IT, OT, and IoT incidents because incidents in uh, OT are usually starting on the IT side and involving the IT people and using a single SOC for security response across those networks would be useful for everybody. So let's look at what such a SOC could look like. So you can see, uh, obviously, a SIM would be integrated into a SOAR and you will have ticketing connected both directions and email crm help desk um a user behavior or equipment behavior vendor an edr an endpoint detection vendor of course many different endpoint tools but also physical access control and ot security Physical access control, by the way, is very useful for many things. If you have good physical access control in your facilities, uh, that's a very useful for user correlation and understanding whether an action was being done by a local user or by somebody impersonating them or possibly by somebody that is uh, remote. Enrichment can come from many different sources. Uh, it can come from your internal systems. It can come from additional logs. It can come by uh, connecting to the CMDB, or of course, many, many different types of tools that exists on the web, either as open source, as freeware, or as services that would give you a lot of additional information that uh, would allow you to better understand where is something that you're seeing is an attack or not. And if you have a process around it, you can automatically do it. This is in terms of enrichment and building that information. Then you actually have the response tools. It could be uh, IPS signatures, it could be firewalls, blocks, it could be uh, adding rules to your WAF, removing somebody or suspending somebody in Active Directory, or actually uh, collecting forensics to make sure that you have all the needed information for uh, actually being able to close the incident securely. You can see some of those uh, names, basically, if you'd like faces, vendor faces being put to names and some of the integrations uh, that exists already today and are being added all the time. If you could connect to all of those automatically and do the standard things that you're doing uh, on a day-by-day -day basis, it would allow you, first of all, of course, to automate, but also to bring in that information from OT systems uh, 
and enrich it with additional information from the IT systems. So any anomaly that you're seeing on the OT network is greatly enhanced and much easier to handle with all the additional IT information that is very rich. So by fusing those IT, OT, and frankly, IoT into a single pane of glass, you can ingest both those alerts. You can orchestrate the enrichment and the response tools while still leaving the decision about every single step with the OT experts. You are able to uh, use DPI or TLS interception and leverage machine learning even richer than the actual machine learning that may exist in individual tools because you're leveraging a much bigger data lake, a much bigger set of information. So uh, now would be your time to think about questions and let us know if everything was understood and what you would like to know more. So I'll recap the three things we discussed about the SANS survey and how we could improve some of the things you were worried about. So first of all, training, it should be as realistic as possible and it should be mandatory. Anything you can repeat, automate. It means both enrichment and incident response. And when it comes to the decision in the middle, if you're confident, you can automate even that. There is a big gap uh, for OT. It's even bigger than for IT. And by consolidating OT and IT into a single SOC and correlating information from the IT side with information from the OT side, you are able to get better decisions and faster response for the questions that you're asking. So now uh, would be your time to ask questions. And while you think of those questions, uh, I'll remind you of some of the things that can help you further. So first of all, you can download the survey itself, the full survey, don't take me for my word, uh, and see it for yourself from our website. Also, uh, I will actually be personally at two of those events at Cybersecurity for Critical Manufacturing in uh, Chicago next week and at the ICS Cybersecurity Conference in Atlanta, end of October. In between, we'll be at Nuremberg at ITSA in Germany, and you're welcome to also meet us there. So uh, questions. So one question we have here is, uh, what kind of OT systems make sense to connect to to a SOC? And the answer would be probably any of them. We've seen successful deployments in uh, a power utility. We're in the process of defining a very nice deployment with an airport right now in, uh, in the southern US. Uh, and we have another deployment in Asia with critical infrastructure, and they all connected their OT alerts to IT and were quite happy uh, with the results. Uh, the OT people in one of the cases uh, were concerned about their control levels. They've taken us through quite a long process but ultimately I think they're quite happy with the end result. So uh, we have um, 
comments here from some of the MSSPs that have seen a lot of ransomware. So yes, one of the things we probably didn't discuss enough is, of course, you can build your own SOC and get much better response times. Another way of doing it is using MDR or MSSP, and they definitely have the experience. When you have dozens of customers or even hundreds of customers, uh, you get to see a lot of ugly stuff quite often, and you get pretty good. I can tell you that many of those MSSPs still uh, invest in additional training to get their people to that expert level. Another question uh, from the audience around um, value on alerting on uh, digital risk monitoring. So we've seen pretty much any type of threat intel uh, being used to enrich uh, internal data and also being used to actual trigger incidents. And after you get an alert, either from the web or from a dedicated provider, actually run the playbooks pretty much backwards instead of using an alert from inside the organization and enriching that information with data from your threat intel feeds you can actually use the threat intel feeds to go search for a specific attack that may be happening based on the intelligence you're getting and uh, actually using that to uh, discover attacks that are happening and may have not been clear enough without that information from the outside. Are there any more questions? If there are no more questions, I would like to thank all of you for taking the time in your busy day to listen to us. And I'll be happy to meet you at the events we'll be uh, attending this month and further uh, in the year. And of course, I would recommend the SAN survey. It's a great reading in more detail if you have the time. Thank you very much. Thank you.